Hello, hello, everybody. How's it going? Welcome. This is Carl's Roller Coaster Podcast. All right. Hello, Dan, my beautiful friend. How are you doing? Welcome to the roller coaster. Oh, man. I better buckle up, huh? Hey, Carl. How are you doing? <laughs> very well, brother. Very Good well. Good to hear your voice, buddy. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I know. It's been a while, hasn't it? Jesus. Do you remember Jeez. that? It that- has Fuck, I mean... That was a roller coaster in itself, my friend. That was like, what happened? Exactly, (laughs) it really was. (laughs) The end end of the uh, the show in Liverpool, it was declared there was a pandemic happening. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, holy crap, we gotta get the hell out of here. Exactly. yeah. And then do you remember I would not Donald wanted to have had your job. Yeah, Donald Trump basically saying, "Okay, mm. we were on the road and then Trump <laughs> is announcing no more flights back into the US." <laughs> yeah, at that time we were like, "Holy crap, what's going to happen? We're going to be trapped here. We're going to be sleeping on your couch, Carl." <laughs> All of us, the whole band. I know. That was definitely a possibility at that time because we were so unsure of what... I mean, literally, like, within 48 hours, we had to make so many decisions, yeah. right? Like, yeah, all the families yeah, in the that, U.S. That was your job. That was my job, exactly. <laughs> but but then, yeah. I, I, would, I can't be your position because <laughs> that sucked. <laughs> yeah, man. It was, it was very traumatic. But luckily enough, in the end, we did manage to to wrap up the UK leg of the tour, which was phenomenal. Uh, but it did leave yeah, we us... Did every, we did every day in the UK, which the ones that we're supposed to do, that was awesome. It was super fun. And all the, every audience was amazing. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I mean, we were supposed to go then to Europe and, well, we need to get that back into the shed, into our diaries, don't we? I mean, now that the world is opening it no, up, that needs to happen. Yeah, I, I don't even know, like... I don't even know where things are at uh, uh, right now because I kind of, I've kind of just trained myself not even to read any kind of news thing because it's just like first of all, I don't, I don't know what I'm reading and it's just chaos upon chaos. It's like nuts. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't even are things opening up again. I don't have no idea. <laughs> so you really, you did, you you genuinely are not like following anything. Like, I mean, have you have you have you played? I mean, I saw that you performed. Like somewhere at some point. I mean, how how is yeah, that going for you? You've been playing gigs and stuff through the throughout the summer. I, uh, yeah, it just kind of calls have come in. Like I just uh, I got a call from uh from our good the, the drills uh alumni drummer uh list uh our buddy Brent Fitz. He called me to do this thing because his buddy Darren Moore has a band called Snake Oil, and it's a you know it's a it's a cover tribute act for it tributes multi multi acts it's really entertaining so uh throughout the whole summer just you know fly dates they're all in the states but every weekend i was like you know playing with that it was so fun and it was uh it kind of it felt totally normal the first show was like oh wow what do i do this is weird and then there was like <laughs> they're, they're all state fairs like county fairs so that we're pretty far from the audience so it was like 
you know. But yeah. it was it was very busy. It was very you know packed packed audiences and everything. And so it was it was fun to play that. <laughs> so from from from, from that perspective, was, from that experience of yours, you can really tell that I mean things are kind of like going back into normality, aren't they? Yeah, that was like the states are funny like america because i'm i was born in canada i've only been living here i've been living here more than 20 years but yes yeah, definitely like each state here has their own little politics or whatever you know rules and stuff so i don't even know the the dates that i was doing with the snake oil ban were all on like in the midwest cause, like you know further east from where i am and california is really strict that's mm-hmm. where i live uh and about certain things like not going out and all that kind of whatever so that's where i'm like i don't even know what if i'm hearing any kind of news where it's coming from and what <laughs> is it legit <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> so yeah how was how was how, how was it for you like after like well we were like we were saying we were together in march 2020 when the world literally shut down in front of our eyes how was it for you uh, last year, like 2020, and and even the first semester of this year, in terms of like, whoa, okay, now we're in lockdown. I can't go out there and play music with anybody. Literally, you can't even, you couldn't even right. go into like rehearsal rooms or anything like that. So, I mean, how did you, how did you spend your time? Did you, did you actually made some productive stuff during that period? Did you, what, what, what happened on your life? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been super productive, but. The one thing, well, first of all, when I got home, we, I we left Gatwick on a Friday, and I got home on a Friday, and then that following Sunday, two days later, I had a I had a fever and I felt really crap, so I drove to uh, a hospital and I just called the emergency from the parking lot and I, hey, I said, hey man, I've been I've been traveling abroad and I I don't feel good, I have a fever, so they got me in to do a COVID test right away, and. And I, so I had to quarantine myself for four days after I got home <laughs> in my studio. My, my studio is detached from my house, so I just kind of went in there and just, you know, I felt, I felt really sick. I was like, this sucks. I, I have something. And then on the, the fifth day, my fever broke, and I had gotten the results, and they came back nev- negative, which was super weird because something was up. Mm. Um uh so okay then everything went back to normal and then a couple months later i had to do uh, i was playing this event that i needed another like covid test so i got the uh immunity you know the uh you know, the blood test on your finger mm-hmm. and uh that turnaround was like 20 minutes so i did that and i got tested in there and they called they called me back in 20 minutes and said, okay, you're negative, but we can tell from your blood test that you had COVID wow. uh, in, back in, in March. They were like, no, no, there's no doubt about it. And I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense because I felt crap. Like I was, it was like, I can tell, you know, you're, you can tell when your body has familiar things like that's the flu or that's a cold or whatever. This was nothing like I had before. This was horrible. And it just kind of went away. So when the, the second test a couple months after, when they told me, they're like, "Oh yeah, well, you, you might have gotten tested too early in March, and it wasn't detected, but uh, now you are immune to it. Uh, we we don't know how for how long because it's too new, but it it just made a lot of sense because I was like, well, okay, well that makes more sense than it being negative because it's horrible. Mm. So that that was that that was that little <laughs> introduction 
into the COVID world. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it was crazy because I mean, I remember, I remember you guys like uh, talking about it on on the I think it was on the WhatsApp group, like on the week after about all those events and testing negative, but still feeling really weird because yeah. I myself on the following Monday. So you guys flew out, like you just mentioned it on Friday. On Monday, I did yeah. have a big night out on Saturday. So I thought on Monday when I woke up feeling really, I, I mean, I woke up on Sunday, obviously, but like Sunday passed by and I was a bit hangover. And then on Monday when I woke up, I was like, oh my God, I feel really crap. And I thought, I mean, it wasn't that right, much right. of a big night out on Saturday, you know? So, I mean, I should be okay. But as the week progressed, I mean, I felt really crap and I had like, I couldn't taste food, I couldn't smell anything. And back then, if you remember, those were not like, you know, people were just talking about fever and a cough, you know? You, yeah, right. Like, like loss of taste and uh, the senses of taste and smell. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a predictor to, you know, uh, having COVID. But then that prolonged and stayed with me for like several weeks. So, I mean... When oh, you, wow. yeah, exactly. So I mean, the, my my understanding is that we all basically caught, you know, at some point, possibly like in the very last few dates in the UK, and right. uh, because I think I can't remember it, but um, someone else in in our team apparently was was a bit ill as well. Right? Remember there was well, a Andy. Yeah, Andy was actually did that same event that i got my second covid test for and he's like same thing he got a blood test they said it came back negative for the second time but they did say that you had you developed the covid uh, virus back mm -hmm. in march and it just went away so we had exactly the same thing and he, him and i him and i sat together when we flew back to the states so yeah, uh, Phil didn't catch anything because he's. I think he's like secretly Superman or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that was crazy. He was the only one that didn't get anything. <laughs> yeah, damn it! He's such a good guitar player, and, and, and... <laughs> he's like a superhero. <laughs> crazy, crazy yeah, yeah. man. Andy and I had the exact same thing because we were texting I, when I was quarantining myself here in my studio, which is where I'm at right now. I was texting Andy, and we we're just kind of re, you know trading notes how do you feel what's going on and it was exactly the same thing like fever uh i had a i didn't have a sore throat but i just i just felt like there was a weight that would not let me get up out of the the bed here so it was so horrible. crap it did you did, did you feel anything when you had your jabs did you have any reactions to it oh no 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 nothing because I, I when i had mine on both times i felt more ill than when I supposedly had COVID in my, on, my, on my system. So that was really odd. I felt really bad. I had to literally take a day off to recover from getting the vaccine. I think it was my, my organism kind of like responding, uh, like, dude, what are you doing? You put, you're, giving, you're driving us, putting us on overload mode here because we already got the antibodies and we don't need any more. And you're giving yeah, us a couple know. of jabs. Everybody, you know? everybody like just kind of, Reacts differently, I guess. I don't know. Like, Absolutely, it's, it's weird. It's, weird. it's, it's weird. just, it's just weird. This, it's been the weirdest time. But what's kind of neat? It's the weirdest time for every single person on the planet. Not just like those people over there. There's no me against you. It's all. This is the weirdest time for everybody. So it's you. It's a united thing in yeah, a way. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Bro, let me let me ask you some some something here. Some questions here. I'd like to ask you uh, for the people that you know. 
don't know you as much as I do. <laughs> um, how was your upbringing? Where were you born? Oh. Mm. Well, I was born in Canada. My parents are German. They, they've moved to Canada in 63, 1963. So they, they had the three of us. I'm the youngest, and I have two older sisters. And yeah, I was born... Um, my <laughs> I, I learned a couple of years ago now that the very day I was born, I'm such a giant Beatles fan. I knew you are too, Carl. The that rooftop show that the Beatles did, their last live performance, was the very, very day that I was born, January thirtieth, nineteen sixty nine. I'm fifty two. And that same day <laughs> Wow. That's that very same day is when the day I was born. So every time I see a picture of that, I go, "That's the day. That's the day I was born." And I, I am so. As soon as I heard Peter Jackson was doing a documentary about the Beatles, I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe! It. I can't wait to see this." And I'm almost like weirdly hesitant to finish it because I don't want it to end. And I know that last live performance is that's that's the end of. They're, you know, they've, they've recorded records after that, but whatever. What I, you know, I just, I'm like slowing it down, slowing my li watching down. But anyways, that's that's uh, that's when I was born, 1969, uh, January 30th. Um, Dude, that was just yeah, growing up. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying, yeah, just growing up in Canada is an awesome place to grow up, man. I grew up in like this a small town called Sarnia, uh, Ontario. Uh, uh, Ontario is, uh, yeah, Phil's, that's the same province that Phil grew up in. We just didn't know each other until <laughs> way later. But, yeah, playing music. And, and my mom had played guitar when she was, like, a teenager. And one of the things that she they brought over when they, you know, moved from Germany to, to Canada is she had this guitar. I don't even know what kind of guitar it was. I, there's a picture of it on my social media somewhere. I think probably Instagram. But it's, like, this black. looks like it has F holes, but it's acoustic and... Uh, when I was a kid, before I even wanted to play guitar, it was just sitting in this soft case, and I was just always like, I was infatuated with just making the strings make a sound. Like, it was cool as hell. And some of the strings were broken, so I'd grab a wire from my dad's garage, because he's a mechanic, so there's just wire and tools and everything. And I'd put a wire on the thing, and wasn't I wasn't, I was, <laughs> I didn't realize why it wouldn't tune, because it's not a guitar string, it's just a wire. That's <laughs> so stupid. But... That's where my infatuation of the instruments and all that stuff came. So the first so instrument I, you picked up was like, actually a six-string guitar. Yeah, uh, like just because I was like, hey, this this is an instrument and it makes sounds. And if I put my finger here and, you know, I learned smoke on the water, you know, that was it. <laughs> I was like, oh, neat, cool. <laughs> but then my... I, uh, I might have been 12, 11 or 12. I was like, this is... I took lessons for like a month or two, and um, and that was bass. I really liked the bass, and just, you know, I got a bass. I still have it. It's at my parents' house. It's a K. It's, uh, the, oh, you the still have your very first K, bass. K-A-Y bass. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's at my parents' house, um, and it's just, it, I know, it's, since I'm a, I like to build, I'm a carpenter and all that kind of stuff. When I was a kid, I... I would take that same base and change, I would make a body out of wood and put all those parts on that. So I would interchange it. So it was the one base I had, but I multi uh, bought those on it. I would just make up dumb shapes and whatever the hell. So I still have those too. Wow. That's <laughs> but, um, really and then cool. one day, I, yeah, one day I realized, hey, I still have all the pieces of this thing. So I kind of put it back to semi normal. So it's, 
you know, it's it's almost unplayable because at one point I pulled all the frets off just to be funny or whatever the hell. So, but yeah, it's, it's a, always been a bass. I play guitar, but I've always been a bass player in a band because I just, I love, I love the bass. I love drums. I love listening to drums. So the best thing, uh, if you're not a drummer, is a bass player to just play to drums. I just love, I love drums. So <laughs> that's why I'm a bass player. So when you were at home, do you, I mean, and, and you just you know, fooling around in your own studio. Do you, what would you normally, I mean, do you play more bass at home? Do you play more guitar at home? What, what, what's the no, main? That's yeah. Yeah. Guitar, guitar is the thing that I pick up the first for everything. I write a lot and I usually just write mostly on my, uh, like my voice capture on my phone. Oh, my stuff, all my songs start there because I usually write when I'm driving or doing something other than having an instrument in my mm-hmm. in my hand because I just I really want to rely on the melody. So I don't want to have anything in my hand to 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 point me in a, in a certain direction. I'll just kind of think of a melody and then come home and then go, oh okay I'll put it in this key whatever. It's always on the guitar. Usually the bass is the very last thing I I put on any kind of demo recording or anything because. Right. I you know I know what that's gonna I know what that's gonna be like unless it's a bass prominent song unless like the riff is the bass part or something but yeah and then we have a a grand piano like in the front room of our house and I like to I don't play piano so which is great because I don't it's unpredictable <laughs> oh here's a chord here's a chord oh that's gonna be cool so I can you know I I kind of like to keep myself in the dark with that because. You know, when you look at a fretboard and you've been playing for a while, you okay, well, you know what everything's going to sound like. Uh, so this is playing, I, coming up with riffs or anything like that, or just writing on piano is fun because I don't play piano. <laughs> <laughs> when, so, when did yeah, you... They, they, hmm. That's that's really cool. I mean, so you have a piano at home and you don't, you don't play the piano, but it does um, remind you of how good... A piano sound and uh, and that's that's good enough, I guess. You know, <laughs> that's oh, good I enough. Fart, yeah, I I fart, I fart around on it. I don't say <laughs> like I know piano plays, and I'm like, holy crap, that's amazing! I can play chords and I can figure out stuff. Because it's and, amazing, uh, right? You look at the piano. I mean, and you when you look to a piano, I mean, every single piece of music ever written is all there. You can press the notes there, yeah. isn't it? That's crazy. The whole, the whole, the whole song. The yeah, whole, the whole it, song, the bass line, everything. Thing, the melody, it's amazing. I just, yeah, it's it's incredible. I love, I love the piano. I, I just haven't taken the time to really get good at it at all. Um, you mentioned that's, it, that's, yeah, that's, you, you just mentioned the the Beatles documentary, and uh, let's 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 maybe dive a little bit into that because yeah, I mean, I I, I share the same feelings with you, you know that oh, I didn't want to finish it, and there is a little bit of yeah. sadness knowing that that was the end. I mean, and 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 people yeah. people have this uh, per- wrong uh, uh, perception that the Beatles were like not. Uh, creative anymore that they were not like the way that let the original let it be movie was um well shown i mean it gave it gave this you know bittersweet taste of like oh my god what what happened to these guys you know and it's so good i felt so privileged to have the chance that these guys were so like i mean 
they were so ahead of their time in every level yeah. that they actually yeah. did something that I mean it's kind of like nowadays it's just so normal you know to do it but what we forget is the fact that they were like there were like massive cameras around film proper real roll camera films you know filming them yeah. like in the studio the whole thing doing this documentary which is something very, very normal for any artist to do it nowadays. But we don't have that kind of thing from any other artist, if you think about it, from that time, you know. And the Beatles, yeah, right. not, they were not only pioneers in... I mean, honestly, I tend to say that they literally were the pioneers in, in everything because they were the first stadium act. They were the very first ones to deal with, uh, well, what's described right. as the Beatlemania. And I mean... Everything right. else, you know, and then when you look at, and then you, when you come into it to the to the point of watching Get Back, the new documentary uh, um, produced, directed by Peter Jackson, I mean, you, you even that they did it, you know, we have the chance now to actually be with them inside of the studio, you know, and see how yeah. they dealt with every single aspect of their business. And it's just incredible, the camaraderie the creativity, the perfection of yep. how those musicians, I mean, the way that these guys, they, they sang and how they, I mean, how the music was just pouring out of them. Honestly, I mean. Yeah, it, it was insane. The, what, one, the first thing that really threw me and just made me just melt into the TV and in my couch, I was like, wow, I've never seen Paul and uh, John interact with each other, like on a creative level, really. It just kind of dawned on me. I'm like, wow, I'm seeing, I'm seeing these two kids, really, at the time, just, you know, using their chemistry and, and, and communicating musically and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, and just seeing, you really, you got to see their uh, their vulnerability and mm -hmm. their insecurities and stuff. And, and at the same time, they're holding the weight of these giant songs that are still relevant today and they're timeless. It's like, <laughs> they're, and, how uh, undeveloped they were the songs were when they brought them to the party like hey i got this idea i don't really have all the lyrics but i know this is going to be a winner but you know hearing the stuff that wasn't even there yet in the songs blew me away i was like it was like a really just experience for me i was like what am i watching it's yeah. insane like just seeing john lennon because you know you you really get the you get you get what everybody's role is and you know paul mccartney is a genius he has a thousand ideas but you could really see that he wanted everybody to be who they were. Like Paul McCartney, he's got to be who he is. And he needs George Harrison to be George Harrison, John Lennon, all, everybody, Ringo Starr. Like everybody, it wouldn't have been anything without those four, that four, like those four pillars, you know? Mm -hmm. It's uh, what fallen down. So it was, it was incredible to watch that go down. Being a songwriter and being, you know, recording tons of stuff and all that kind of shit myself watching that go down go wow this is <laughs> it was the coolest thing i've ever seen yeah uh, i mean and and how they and how they conducted themselves as well i mean there is you see that there was there was never there was never a fight they they never raised their voices towards each other they never had like Very big polite. arguments they were so i mean even when they disagreed with each other they had ways mm -hmm. clever ways to to express themselves and they would make joke and throw jokes into the discussion and then go a complete yeah. like I mean it was I mean it was honestly it, it is mind I mean I'm I'm going I'm I'm watching it for the second time now I'm I'm about to start episode three 
uh, again, the part three of the documentary again, because it literally was so freaking interesting to me to see that I think that that's kind of like, it's like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat myself here, but you know, it's that this three part documentary, it's literally like kind of like, um, some sort of Bible for, for new artists, I'd say, you know, do you want to see yeah. how, how things really, I mean, should be, you know, how do you disagree? How yeah. do you agree? The sort of level of, you know, empathy and camaraderie you, 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 you have to have with your, you know, bandmates and to conduct things instead of like, you know, uh, arguing and fighting or, or, or things like that, because what are you seeing yeah. is literally like, the Fab Four and fuck me. I mean, yeah, it's just and this is like this is well past like plenty of milestones that they have achieved, and they're in the studio hashing it out, and they're like, okay, it's you know they've done this a lot by this point, and you exactly. just watch them going, okay, tone, here's a tune. I know how this is gonna work out, and I need you to do your thing because uh, it's like the elements that you know today when you hear any of those songs, you're like, wow, that's. That's that person playing it. It's not, you know, people direct saying, hey, how about more like this or that or whatever. But if that person's hand wasn't on the drum or the guitar or the, or the mic, it wouldn't have been that iconic It's or timeless, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't mm -hmm. work like that. It, it was a band. It was a band, a true, the true meaning of a band that everybody there is adding what they, like they're contributing the best of themselves to make something greater than the sum of the parts. So, totally, totally. It's incredible. Yeah, and, and totally like, incredible. <laughs> totally incredible. And like you said, I mean, that's the last, you know, creative moment of of the Beatles. You can only wonder and imagine what was it like, you know, in the studio when they were recording, uh, well, anything up to, you know, uh, Sgt. Pepper, because people say that during the White Album recordings, they were kind of like already doing their own thing, you know, but up to Sgt. Pepper, like they were still like pushing the boundaries to an extreme level, all on the same page in terms of composition and, and ideas. And, and it's pretty clear that obviously Paul McCartney was kind of like always in the forefront of, uh, in terms of, you know, the content and how we're going to present ourselves and things like that. But John was yeah. very much into it as well. I mean, honestly, it's, man, it's, well, yeah, like you said, it's for me, it's just like one of the greatest things I have ever, ever seen. It's brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. I like when, uh, like when George, when George is like, all right, I'm going to leave the band. And John's like, when? He's like, right now. See you later. And the next day, I know this is the way it's filmed and you can, you know, you can make things look however you want, but like the next work day for them when george didn't show up it was just complete chaos yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was just like you know and you can tell you can see it in everybody's eyes that it wasn't like they didn't value everybody valued everybody's everybody's talent so because it was just like this isn't going to work if mm -hmm. they're if one of the wheels fell off this mm -hmm. isn't going to work yeah, and, uh, and, and, and just, the, it was funny to see how chaotic it was. Yeah, I loved it. It was, I mean, the way that they like conducted everything it's, in, instead of creating absolute chaos out of those situations, it was always calm. It was always uh, yeah. tranquil, you know? I mean, every single move yeah. that they did that under any, I mean, with any other act, you know, you would be like, 
chaos and people would stop showing up in the studio, for example, or would have massive arguments or would uh, speak uh, uh, badly on people's backs and things like that. That wasn't happening. And I love the way, the way that, you know, for example, the crew was there, you know, the, the, the very, uh, the very yeah. inner circle of the Beatles. So who's part of that? Oh, you get the two manager, you get the producer, you get obviously the camera people, you get one roadie who's always there. You get all, you know, obviously then the families, yeah. you know, the girlfriends, <laughs> the spouses coming. And it's just, I mean, all of that, I mean, Mal, their tour manager, road manager, as they used to call it, like yeah. writing the lyrics for them, right? Because, I mean, <laughs> you know. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's another thing that blew me away is like the amount of people that were around them while they were creating like genius, like timeless songs. And like, they just really, they, all of them know how to tap into their own genius. You I know, know I, mean? I know. That's, that. That would distract the shit out of me. I'm like, oh my God, get everybody get the hell out of here. <laughs> exactly. I mean, would, for, one, for one, for one, honestly, Yoko, right? Next to John. But like, yeah. it's not like, I mean, she's in the studio watching that. She's like, she's inside the band, you know? She's sitting, I yeah, mean, she's, why? She's like, a, she's like an extension, an extension of John. And exactly. Just, it's totally like a normal thing. Uh, it's like okay everybody talked to everybody totally normal yoko just felt seemed like she was content to just to sit there i'm like okay it didn't seem like it it really obviously it's an element that would you know i don't know if it, i don't want to say distract but it adds to something but whatever it is uh they still came up with a yeah that's record the uh, thing, it the, didn't matter the, um the thing is with with the yoko subject i mean there's two things that I, I observed. One was, she's sitting there, but John, he never interacts with her. They, she, he doesn't even make eye contact. She's just, so, she, so it's not that she, he wants her to be next to him because, I mean, he wants to give her a kiss or because uh, he's going to miss her so bad that he can't stay away from her for these many hours. I mean, they don't even interact right. with each other. And... She on the. It doesn't uh, seem like that's important. It just seems like they're connected. So that's that's where they. Yeah. You know I mean, I don't know. It's just. Uh, it wasn't as odd as I thought it was going to be when I saw that. I was like, oh, they're mm. just like two, two people as one, really. And Paul McCartney saying that uh, that was something because when you talk to bands, you know, these days and, and a lot of people that I spoke to that, you know, watch the documentary said, oh, come on, man, the band should have come to terms and said, hey, listen, man, this is how it's going to go. The girlfriends should stay out, blah, blah, blah. That same old story. Right. But the way that Paul McCartney, I mean, even even on this particular matter, which is kind of like sort of, you know, um, common sense amongst men, I mean, bands in general. Right. I mean, if it's the four guys rehearsing right. or recording, you don't really, I mean, obviously that your girlfriend or your wife are welcome to stop by in the studio, but you don't need her to be inside the room with the band well, well you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just kind of like common, it's just kind of common sense. But then Paul, yeah. he says, well, you know, if this is his choice, if he wants to have her here, I mean, it's his, it's his choice. There's nothing that we can do about it. Yeah, every, every, everybody really lets, that's what was a cool thing this, to witness while watching this is everybody in that band lets everybody be who they are. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's incredible. Like that's because the 
being who you are is the best way for you to tap into, you know, what you want to say, what you want to do, how you want to play. That's the best way to get the best part of yourself out on a record or anything or as a writer or whatever. So they, they really did that. That's like, that was surprising to see because I've never got to see it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that's cool. It's amazing. Dan, so uh, what um, complete complete diversion of, from from the Beatles and 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 get, the Get Back documentary? Now, um, did you? <laughs> we, ner we nerded out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we knew it, yeah, and we're probably gonna tap into that again because I I was going to ask what were your main uh, influences, musical influences, growing up. Oh, um, that's a good one. Since I was really into bass and from canada rush was like a giant giant inspiration rush uh and getty lee his playing was just crazy like i my first rush record was moving pictures and you know according to them that's their pop record <laughs> <laughs> and like it's just all the songs on it and, and this was back in the day when i would learn stuff i took less i, I said earlier that i took lessons um for a month or two or something but it just didn't really it didn't really stick with me because i'd go home and listen to a record and and then copy what i heard on the fretboard and that was a hell of a lot quicker and more gratifying i really I really connected with that i'm like holy once you once you yourself do something that sounds just like something that you're imitating like listening to a cd a cassette or a record it's just the it's just the best joy you'll ever experience in your life so taking lessons was didn't didn't really do that for me so i just kind of stopped taking bass lessons and just continued to listen to the records like moving pictures rush and stuff and i really look i loved i was a giant eddie van halen fan um and he, <laughs> he uh, you know compared to guitar players he made me not want to play guitar <laughs> but i was i was infatuated with Eddie Van Halen, just the what he could do. Some of the things, I didn't even understand how it was a guitar, like Eruption or, or Cathedral. When I heard Cathedral, uh, his guitar piece on the, the Diver Down record, I didn't even understand what I was listening to, but it sounded, I listened to it so many times, it just blew me away. I was like, wow, I just I enjoyed the hell out of it. So that got me into playing a little bit of guitar, but I've always just wanted to be a bass player. I just, that's, is Van Halen, uh rush acdc i loved uh just because the solid muscle behind uh, the drums the bass the rhythm guitar and the vocal everything so that was when i started to play i got into the beatles when i started to really write songs uh just because i heard that was around when that um it was like a tribute like a collection a best of of the beatles where it was like from the blue you know that blue record and then they came out with a red one um yeah. it's like a it's just the whole spanning of their whole career i listened to that and i was like wow this is most of this is done on a four track and i was at that time recording on a four track i was like wow <laughs> hmm. you know this is crazy these songs it's really the song it's the song doesn't matter what you recorded on if that song is good it's it's uh good so i really Really great attention to songwriting and melodies and lyrics back it's interesting like later as a, as a teenager. Yeah, I'm 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 very much the same. I mean, it took me. A, I mean, I went straight into so say the the Black Sabbaths, the Iron Maidens, the right. Van Halens, and all of that 
you know, uh, pure metal rock world of the 70s yeah. and the 80s. And then it took me a while to literally, to, to kind of like go back to, well, you know, to the Little Richards, to the Otis Reddings, right. to, you know, the Beatles, and then obviously the Birds and the Mamas and the Papas and the whole American music that was actually, you know, in many ways influencing the Beatles back then, like the Birds, for example, it's, it's a good example. Right. Like, you know, they, they, they did influence the Beatles. And, uh, and then obviously in America, you get like, you know, Buffalo Springfield and the whole Laurel Canyon uh, scene of the 60s, you know, which was yeah. really incredible. But that took me a yeah, long yeah. time to kind of like, okay, all right, now I get it, you know? And it just... Yeah, same I mean, here. And for, me, and for me, to be honest with you, it's been delightful because it's kind of literally just uh, discovering all this music that when we were growing up, it was very difficult to get because you couldn't buy all the records, you couldn't listen to all the tunes, you couldn't see all the stuff and all right. the videos. Nowadays, you have access to anything. If you say, oh my God, I have never listened to the whole discography of the mamas and the papas. Okay, great. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to just press play and go make my breakfast, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be done. Easy. You know yeah, what when I mean? I first, when I first started playing my instrument, I listened to things that were... Uh, I listened to the instrument that I was learning. So that's kind of the music that I listened to. Like the Also, I forgot to mention Iron Maiden. Like Steve Harris is incredible. I loved learning like Steve Harris parts it was insane not uh, like and then when I graduated further not just thinking of my instrument I'm thinking of other instruments and then like the songs and the lyrics and stuff like that so I started to listen I could listen to the same thing now and appreciate something different that I did than I did when I was a kid so mm -hmm. yeah I think whatever why ever you for whatever reason you're listening for you know I was trying to improve my own uh, musical abilities by listening to really good players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you, you know, into Pink but, Floyd at all? Oh yeah, I love Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. Man. They're like yeah. There's there's sounds and their songs are incredible. And they're I wasn't when I was a kid when the like I remember the when the Wall came out. I was well into you know playing in little garage bands and stuff like that. And it's just like that was incredible. Uh, they're they're just they're they're just when I listen to them, it's the sound of them and, and the the tones, the the productions are insane, and mm -hmm. I love the the depth in their lyrics and themes and stuff like that. That I wasn't uh, available for that as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, this is a dumb kid. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, how did you how did you end up meeting Phil? How how did that happen? Oh man, that was like that was a funny. Uh, like I said, I grew up in Canada and then there was a, I was in a band and we were recording in a studio in, in Toronto, uh, called Metalworks. It's, uh, it's owned by the drummer for Triumph. Triumph is a giant Canadian band and he, he's part owner or of this recording studio called Metalworks and my, the band that I was in at the time was recording there for like a month and a half back in the day when you would record for a month and a half in a studio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Phil, like I, I've always heard of Phil. I, I didn't know him. We never met before. But he, uh, our, our producer that was doing the record with us, uh, Noel Golden. He, he's like, hey man, this this song needs a solo. And just like he, Phil was kind of like a fixture of that studio because he was a session guy. 
And so uh, our friend and producer, Noah, was like, hey, man, we should get Phil on a, to do a solo on this. I'm like, oh, cool. But I wasn't there that day. <laughs> the day that Phil did about two or three solos, I wasn't there the day. So I never met him. And that's at that very time is when Phil got the gig to play in Triumph. Um, around that same time, he was in Triumph for a whole record, uh, Edge of Excess. And uh, so I never met him at that time. My, my singer, Erwin, uh, he knew Phil. So, but we never met. So, but when I moved to LA, I think Phil moved here a year after. And then I also, I, I moved here with my, the, the singer of that band that we were recording in Toronto with. So Erwin, his name is Erwin Hersey. So what year was like, that? I did Phil. 96? Okay. 96? Yeah, late 96. Um, so my buddy Irwin's like, Hey man, Phil, uh, Phil moved here. I'm like, Oh cool. Like, let's go. And he was already playing at the Roxy in some band or whatever. So that's when I met him. So, cause Irwin and I were, uh, the singer of the band that we're doing in Canada. We, we both moved to LA and we were just still continuing to write and stuff like that and work on projects. So we were busy with that. And then I met Phil and then just through my buddy Irwin. And then Phil was like, hey, dude, I know you're busy doing some things, uh, other stuff, but do you want to play bass in this project or whatever? And it was, uh, it was Powder. It was a band called Powder with him and his wife, his, ex, his previous wife. Um, and then we just, it was pretty clear, like, what, what chemistry was to me, musical chemistry, because I was like, wow, really? really fed up each other really well uh right right out right out of the gate and during that he was he was playing uh, uh a mutual friend jeremy spencer uh which was uh, the drummer for death five finger death punch at that time he jeremy called me he's like hey dude phil's been writing all these other tunes you should let's check it out he you know jeremy's gonna play drums and he wanted me to play bass and i was like okay let's check it out so we just we learned that stuff. We did a rehearsal, the three of us, and it sounded it sounded perfect. It sounded awesome. So that was like, wow, this is a, this is like a you can't you can't deny what chemistry is. Like it really it was really clear because I've had other projects where you know you're you're playing your instrument and you're also trying to compensate for maybe weaker players or or you're trying to control something or whatever. But it's not you you, you don't. You don't really get to do your your job if you're doing a lot of other things within the project. And I really felt like when I started to play with Phil, I'm I can get way more out of myself for the project's sake if because there's chemistry there. Um, I just have to do what I get to do, and it makes what I do better. And it, it, it's the final product is a hell of a lot better because everybody's just doing what they do. So it was, it was awesome. It was really, uh, yeah, it was probably 90, I think I moved 96. So maybe I met him in 97 or 98. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, yeah. What was, <laughs> and, and, and what, and what happened to, I mean, to this project? What, 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 did you guys record anything? The three of you? Which one? Well, this one that you just oh, that mentioned, the, you, you feel, that and, was the, yeah, that was the inception of the of the drills. Of the, the drills. Oh, okay. So that's the that's inception what it was. of it. That's where it all yeah. began. I can't. Yeah, though, the first record, which was called Kick Your Ass in 17 Minutes, a lot of those songs were what we learned in our first rehearsal. It sounded just like that. And then, you know, from and that... And the drummer was, is, your, is, is Jer Jeremy? Jeremy Spencer. Right, Jeremy right. Spencer. 
Sir. He, he ended up going, uh, forming a band with Zoltan, a guy that I don't, I forget his last name, but they made, they created Five Finger Death Punch. Right. So, um, but we, before the Death Punch happened, the, you know, we, we slugged it out. We did tons of shows. We had a residency in Hollywood and stuff like, we did, you know, we did some, we did a record. We just, we did a lot of stuff and just, you know, it just, life happens and people go in different directions and that's what it is. But that, that first thing was, was the first, that's the first drills. It was Phil, uh, myself and Jeremy Spencer. And so. did you guys, did you have at the time, let me just get a bit more into the specifics here then at the time you guys are living in Los Angeles, you moved from Canada, uh, obviously making a living right out of the gate. It's a very difficult task. So how, how how did that work out? I mean, did you guys have anyone helping booking the drill shows? Or was it more like you guys uh, literally hustling by yourselves and getting the dates sorted out and, and playing those shows? And were those shows enough to keep you guys uh, afloat? Oh, money-wise? Yeah, we've always had... I've always had a other jobs. I'm... I'm a carpenter and I build. I'm a builder, so it wasn't hard to find. It's not hard to find other work. So that's kind of what you do. You just slug it out and you just keep playing and you do whatever. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. like. I don't even think. I'm not even think anybody was handling our project because Phil, like he, he became uh, a pretty. Pretty quickly, he became a session guy here in LA because he's good. He's 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 the best. So, uh, you know, he, producers and that kind of thing, like they he, they recognize him as oh man, I gotta get this guy on the record. So he's he was able to make make connections pretty quickly. So just that's all it is here. It's really just who you know. So I don't even know when we started. We started to play this residency, uh, which is like a like a weekly gig every week at this place called the cat club in hollywood right here and uh i don't even know how that happened like he just phil phil's like the ringleader of the of you know the drills so he just you know he's he's really able to pull favors and ask and do whatever i've, I've learned a lot how to even just treat treat <laughs> like you know people on the road or business people or anything just by watching how phil, like <laughs> he's just you know he's he's the real deal so we didn't really have any backing us um Did we didn't really do tour tours much we played around the town a lot and just you know mm -hmm. tried to do this and that and whatever and then you know so which is yeah, which brings us to you know like fuck me as soon as we got i mean this the the, the, the tour that we were on i mean that was i think correct me if i'm wrong but i think that was going to be uh in terms of dates and places and people that the drills was was performing to the biggest one that the band had done right oh yeah 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 we did we've done that was our third time in the uk i think but this was obviously phil being the guitar player for bon jovi has has opened plenty of doors uh people know he's he's more recognizable name his talent's always been equals equally as incredible as the first day but now more people are recognizing him so that opens doors for what we do and uh and it's been great so yeah that we were able to play some bigger places and just like it you know it's hard it's so funny because since we're not really handled by anybody we have a we have a, a manager now bobby collins uh with primary wave 
before that, it was really just talk, you know, like a text or talking and saying, hey, we're cool. And one thing I always remember, like, uh, that Phil had said, we were playing, we're playing some bar and, you know, he's like, man, it's so funny here in L.A. because this is where we were. He's like, a lot of musicians and bands and stuff, they they complain a lot. Like, hey, man, like, it sucks. We, we're playing here and we want to play there and blah, blah, blah. And, and Phil's like just his answer to what he was talking about. He goes, really, just be better don't suck like <laughs> it's his mentality is just take it take it over make it own it own what you're doing and don't compare yourself to anybody just annihilate everybody uh with what you're there what you're doing you know your songs or your performance or whatever it's like that's he has that mentality that's what he that's his thought process and that's why he's never complaining mm. about wishing he was playing some other place because it's like that's you know that's Guy, he's taught me a lot. Like you know, just that's. <laughs> did you did you did you like Bon Jovi before he joined the band? I mean, was Bon Jovi? What I'm, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, was Bon Jovi a band that you like listened to and then you kind of like liked? Oh, um, well, I haven't heard a lot of his his records within like the last you know ten or twenty years. I, I was a huge fan as a kid. Like when when he first came out with, you know, seven eight hundred degrees and Slippery When Wet and all that stuff. I was a giant fan. That was all like that's that's the stuff I was listening to. Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, and uh, all that stuff. So yeah, I was a huge fan. I just kind of you know went and you know started listening to other things. So I wasn't really sure what what Bon Jovi was up to like record wise. I hadn't heard much material. Um, but I don't think it's an accident that he's still relevant and and successful and playing. Out of all those '80s bands, he's he's still he's still up there because he's he works his ass off. <laughs> he's, yeah, yeah, he's a busy guy. He's super talented and not just as a singer, just as a businessman. So it must yeah, have been a big uh, a big. Sorry to interrupt you, Dan, but it must have been a big no. a big um, moment for you seeing. Feel for the first time with Bon Jovi. I mean, do you remember the first time that you saw him playing with the band? It was crazy. Well, in person, yeah, it was here in, in LA. person, yeah. Oh yeah, that was here in LA. It was like the first time I saw it was when he told me about. It. He's like, "Dude, check this out!" And it was his first show at the New Orleans Jazz Festival, and it's like fifty thousand people. Like, mm -hmm. I knew I, I knew about his whole situation way before he got the gig, um, but like. Yeah, the first time I saw a show, it was here in L.A. at the Forum. And I was like, this is crazy. I'm like, I was so, it was like a proud, it was a weird, weird proud parent thing. Because he gets to do what he does. And all these people are like, oh, who's this guy? Like, they don't even know who he is yet. It's like, it's just awesome. It was so, it was amazing. It was like, I think, and also, I think that's, Bon Jovi needed, a, it's like a, it, I it's like new energy in the band, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know Richie at all. I don't know what his deal is or anything like that, but I thought it was a positive thing because like, Phil's a really positive guy and I think it translates to the music. Even totally. though it's songs that you, you already know, but there's a guy that is loving life and he's really great at what he does and is a, he's as good as a singer as he is a guitar player, so mm -hmm. he's he's more than qualified for the gig. So Absolutely. I just like it was... 
it was a happy, it was pretty crazy to see him up there. Because I've been to the forum and seen, you know, other, I saw Black Sabbath. I think the last time I was there, I saw a Black Sabbath reunion show or something or whatever the hell it was. But I, I'm like, this is the same stage I'm looking at. And bon, bon Jovi's there playing with Phil. Because I, I remember seeing Bon Jovi as a kid. Um, I think it was, it might have been their first tour, but they were opening up for Rat. Wow. Really? Band. Did you get yeah, to see uh, that? Yeah. Yeah. Rat was supporting their second record, Invasion of the. Of your prior, no, what was their second? I forget their second record. Well, that has the one that has "Lay Down" on it or whatever. I think that's "Invasion of Your Privacy." But anyways, Bon Jovi was opening up for Rat, and I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Wow. Um, I caught and I, I, yeah, uh, I was so close. It was in Port here on Michigan, right across the border from where I live. And I, uh, I remember catching uh, Tico Torres's drumstick. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you still have it? <laughs> no, I think I, I was kind of. I gave it to like a girlfriend or something. I don't have it. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, holy shit. It's like he threw it out and I'm like, oh wow, I caught a drumstick. That's like crazy. Uh, it was amazing though. I was like, this is kick ass. It is just, it was good. It was amazing. I was like, you know, thinking now like, wow, that's like their career has just gone so out of control, like global giant. They're massive. And it's, and you know. you saw them on their first tour opening up for, I mean, that's, legendary yeah it's it's just so funny you know it's like mm. oh yeah that band that's crazy do you do you um have your say do you, did you i mean when when you're a youngster discovering music were you the kind of guy that used to buy records and magazines and t-shirts and things like that were you ever that kind of guy yeah i was never oddly enough i was never a vinyl like or cassette i was never a collector mm. but for for whatever reason like i had a couple friends that were like album hogs and i was just like what do you got like they they would they say check this out you know even van Halen, all stuff i didn't i just didn't i didn't go out and i was just playing really interested in playing along to the couple records that i had and it's just i was like a hermit playing my instrument and i visit my friends and like look at this you know and it's it's highway to hell by acdc or it's like you know mm. like or i would hear uh things that I loved from friends that were record collectors and stuff. And just like, they were like, Hey, this is a, you know, they had an amazing stereo system and look, listen to this. This is insane. <laughs> That's where <laughs> my friend turned me on to like Van Halen, like diver down. I was like, what, hmm. what am I listening to? This is insane. So yeah, I, I wasn't, a, I loved magazines and, you know, rock magazines and stuff like that. And just seeing, seeing everything and everything that I liked and was gravitated. I, I was the, that like captured my interest was always LA based really. So I was like, Oh, one day I'll just probably move over there. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what happened. <laughs> wow. Wow. Do yeah. you still have like, uh, any members of, the, of your family living in Canada? Do you have a good? Oh yeah. My mom, my mom and dad and my two sisters. That's my whole family. They there. still Everybody live else, in all... Canada. Oh yeah. All the rest of my family, like besides my mom, dad and two sisters, everybody is in Germany. Right. Um, so, but yeah, my mom, yeah, my parent, my mom and dad are still alive, still around. And my one sister, Chris, lives like 10 minutes away from my parents. And then my other sister, Jackie, she lives like about an hour and a half or something like that away from, you know, but they're, they're still there. I talk to them all the time. How often and, do you uh, go visit them? Uh, I haven't been, I haven't been for a couple of years. I usually, we usually go for the holidays, but just haven't mm. yet. So yeah, just, we went to Argentina because my wife's Argentine, so we 
we went to Argentina for the holidays one year and just here. And we have a three-year-old kid, so we're really inventing our own, like, memories. And it's the most incredible thing ever. Like, and it's been actually the most inspiring. And that's sparked a, a, a ton of a flood of, uh, like, musical ideas and lyrics and things that have come to me that I'm getting ready to, uh, like, track. I have yeah. everything demoed out. I just have to track them. Is this to going to out. be something that uh, would be would fit on the drills, or is it something that you are thinking of doing it separately? Oh, it's like a totally. It's my thing. So yeah, right. I just have yeah. I have. I already. I have. I did a rec record. Uh, it's just my last name, Spreewald. It's on iTunes, and it's called Full Capsule. How and come I didn't know about that? <laughs> oh, well, we didn't. We, we haven't done this interview yet. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> go on it's, iTunes. It's, go on it's, iTunes. <laughs> and I, ne I never pressed any hard CDs. I just had. It's just on iTunes called Spreewald. And that I can you spell I that for me, that. please, Dan? How'd you spell that? Uh, it's my last name. So S P R. Oh, of course, of course. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought I'd be more creative at the time because the funny thing is, is that this was re I released it in two thousand and nine. So it was a long time ago, and uh, and I just the, the yeah the band I figure and I just kind of played everything and I'd say I had some friends. My friend Matt Sherrod is a drummer, uh, and he produced it uh, for me. And then we had some guest drummers in. Um, so uh, I love the like cover. I, I love the cover. I'm just looking at it now. Spreevolt full oh. capsule. Yeah, the yeah the band, the, uh, the album's called Full Capsule. Yeah, that was a weird time because within the recording process of that, my father-in-law, my wife's dad, had passed away, and the I was we were there the very last day when the when his when it flat hands you know the the machine flatlined and you know I was like holding his head and the 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 my wife her brother and the mother were the, on the other side of the bed and I was like wow like he's just like a, a person it's just like a container for for what they are and he was like nestor was like the nicest person on the planet and then when his body was like just left and the personality was gone it just like that's what the that's where the title came from full capsule because he's just he was when you in life you're just a capsule <laughs> full of life and when it, you pass that the capsule is just left you know what i mean so it's just uh it was a crazy uh uh enlightening situation to witness and be yeah. a part of uh it was you know it was crazy so that's where that full capsule came from so yeah everybody is to embrace their uh <laughs> their fullness of uh what they are when they're living because life is short you know absolutely so, man yeah so uh, yeah if you're interested check it out those i'm really i'm still really proud of those tunes so this uh i guess it's it's been a long gap between that record and this record, but it'll be like that. Nice um, man, that's that's really cool. No, I have just downloaded and I will certainly be listening to it. Yeah. Thank you. And this is like this is something that I had to prove to myself. So it was like I always I was always a songwriter or a co-writer, and I was never the singer. So I really wanted to put something out at the time to prove to myself, like, well, I've like you know, I i want to i need to sing these for myself so mm -hmm. it was the first time i was ever a lead singer um which is super odd to me so but i you know like like i said earlier i've always played guitar and bass so i played a, the guitar and the bass and all the vocals and my friend you know matt sherrod he 
he played some drums. Uh, Randy Cook played some drums uh, on a couple tunes, and, uh, and a friend called Erez Gannett uh, played some drums on some tunes. So it's fun. It was really, it was, it was really a good time for <laughs> to put that out. So this following so, up of from uh, Full Capsule, when when do you do you already uh, foresee uh, a time frame for its release? When do you think you're gonna have everything tracked down and ready to mix and master? Yeah, I, I uh, that's a great question because I I have I think I I think I have one more song in me. I don't it isn't out. I don't have it since <laughs> like I don't have it yet, but I want one more tune that you know when you have like a a, a taste for something you're kind of hungry but you don't know what it is. That's yeah. that's what this feels like where you're like hmm. Hmm, there's I think there's one more tune. So, but other than that, I'm I'm getting ready to track the drums for five tunes that I have already. It's just going to be like a six or seven song, like EP type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but still, you know, it's kind of the same thing as with that full capsule. This is important for me to put it out for myself. And, of course. you know, it's, uh, yeah, it means, it means a lot to me. So I'm hoping to release it next year for sure. Like it's, I, I'm, the creative process and the, and the get it done process are not that similar. <laughs> mm -hmm. When I'm creative, I just, there's no, guidelines or anything and then all of a sudden when you really need to get stuff done you have to shift into almost like a business mode to like okay uh everything's black and white uh nothing's great let's just get it done this is the, the thing i've already decided this is the idea do it and so i'm shifting slowly shifting to my business side of trying to get it yeah out absolutely. get it done and, and schedule things like schedule uh my friend uh Ryan McMillan, uh, I'm gonna get him to. He's gonna play some drums on this, this stuff, and we just we found a play a studio. It's not gonna be. I think we're gonna start tracking early early January, uh, and just yeah, just start go from there. And I have a home studio, so I can track everything else here uh, that I need. Uh, so that's we're just gonna get the drums. Really out of studio. Yeah, because I don't track the drums in my own home studio, so. Yeah, that's that's gonna go from there. I'm really, really hoping to release it next year for sure. Like, I just, that would bum me out if it's not. <laughs> oh, you will, man. You've got yeah, definitely. There's yeah, you will. If there's one song missing only, and and you're nearly getting the whole package, uh, like the whole, yeah. you know, all of the songs like ready to to go. I mean, yeah, definitely put 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 a target down as as something that you have to have it out there next year. Which brings the yeah. question, like, um, what about the drills, man? Any have you have you spoken to Phil recently? Have you? I mean, is there anything that you guys have in mind going on? What is that? You know, like, tell me, is there anything going? Yeah. So yeah, I talk to Phil all the time. We talk all the time, and uh, or text or whatever, depending on what's going on. And uh, he, he's he's been busy with another thing called uh, Kurt Dimer. So, and then he's got Bon Jovi stuff. I didn't want. I at the time I was offered to do that tour with Phil because um, he's the MD of the Kurt Dimer project. I I had played songs on his that Kurt's Kurt's record and we did two videos and stuff like that. But I just at the time that he they wanted to go on tour, they were opening up for Jeff Tate. Um, so I just it wasn't timing wise, it didn't work out for me. So uh, I had to pass on the tour, but he's been doing that. And we still have volume number two to, to release. I just think exactly. you know, Chris, Chris is like uh have has mixed almost all of it it's uh that guy's another busy guy it's you know a, a gift that the guy's involved in the drills because 
he's such a genius uh, mixer and he has the greatest ears. So we're we're doing that. And just COVID has really thrown a wrench in everybody's like, there's nothing's nothing's predictable. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just the weirdest time to plan anything because every other week something, there's new variants. It's, it's nuts. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nuts. So we we're still, we still got that going. There's all, there's talk of, um, possibly late next year i think it may be october or something like that Mm -hmm. that we there's we may be opening up for skid row but i'm not even i think that's in the states like here in america so uh i'm not sure there's not much yeah there's not much uh especially at this time of the year everything's kind of just shutting down and everybody's trying to put their ducks in a row so yeah um I'm gonna see Phil uh, next week. I think we're just gonna, you know, hang out. It just—it's been funny because we're rare. We've rarely been. See, he's since moved from Nashville back to LA, and I still haven't seen him because <laughs> either I'm not in town or he hasn't. Been, we haven't been in town at the same time, but we talk all the time. He's like my brother. Like I just feel like we're family. Like it's a uh, busy beast. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's. I kind of really like. I like being busy, man. If I'm not busy on something, I just, I feel like I'm going to go nuts. So totally, it's just catering. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't, I'm like, uh, I rarely, I, I really re- sit down and relax. Yeah. I really want to kind of like, um, I mean, I, you know, message feel and we exchange, you know, things as well. And obviously, I mean, we adore each other. I mean, I love the guy, you know, I love you. Yeah. And yeah, all yeah. That, you know, we, we just have like this, it's such a great connection and 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 it's something that you know we've been building up and and it was so unfortunate that we got that tour cut in half but i'm very great it's very easy to think about the negatives but i actually look to the positives we were just blessed to have that period in the uk pre-covid because we really we really bonded in a different way because that was the longest we've actually spent together on the road so yeah you know and 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 i do think that uh there's so many good things that came out of that in regards of like okay great i mean we know we can get the drills out there you know there is demand for it and with the connections like you mentioned that phil has friends that we all have and and then bobby at primary wave and you know i mean there are some things you know on the pipeline and i do hope that those things get confirmed because you know the drills deserve it yeah. and, and if the band gets more exposure you know which would which means basically you know going on tour with bigger acts opening it up you know for bigger acts yeah. i mean yeah. the audience will just i mean it will just uh, uh, um like evolve it's just gonna get bigger because i mean doing the run on its own as a headliner we saw the potential of it so you know doing a bit yeah, of that it was really clear that this is a this is a good move <laughs> it wasn't like a it wasn't a mistake it was different it was like it was it was a good it was to like you said sorry to interrupt it's, no okay. it was six it felt it felt successful i really one of the reasons i think is because there was also like a chemistry beat be, behind the curtain like we were everybody was on the same page and we really worked as a team and that's really important. It's not just a if it's a three piece band, it doesn't matter who's around you. Like it really matters who's around you uh, inside your camp. And this camp was amazing. I just it was fun. It felt like 
it none of it was ever a pain in the ass it was like okay cool i can't <laughs> wait to hang it's awesome yeah yeah but it's good time <laughs> good times man good times i can't wait for those to come back and yeah the skid row tour should definitely happen at some point that would be incredible um, yeah i think so yeah and then get back to um well some so some like headlining dates as well i think it's totally doable totally on the cards it's just a matter of like you know um organizing things and seeing when when it's viable to do it safely for everyone isn't it so yeah right right yeah, yeah. it seems like a no-brainer like what once it's uh normal to go out and book a show and you know you don't think anything's gonna happen i don't even know when that'll be um i just i don't like to be doubtful i just like okay well this is what's happening right now so let's just gonna roll with it and just uh continue on i don't like to sit i don't like to sit and worry and obsessed on things that i can't really control because i have plenty that i can control within myself so it's i'm not bored at all i haven't been bored that's once. excellent then the way you just put it it's so good man because i mean a lot of people yeah. just wait so much time and energy of their life just trying to control things completely out of their control isn't it and that's it's not, not a, it's a waste of time really i don't think it's 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 a counterproductive really totally totally which brings me then to some of my roller coaster questions are you ready for it yes shoot. <laughs> right do you have or follow any morning routines oh just just a lot of coffee <laughs> <laughs> coffee is the first thing i just i get up stump on the way to the kitchen and it's just like make the coffee and like i i feel like nothing starts until i have that <laughs> i still want to have the coffee that feels drinks all the time and is always wearing the t-shirt i've never had that but apparently it's a damn good coffee death oh something. death wish coffee yeah yeah, yeah. That's that, the one. they sent me a giant bag of that uh, uh, it was awesome. yeah i really really want to try that it i mean the way that you both promote that, woo! Do you cut? Do you st is that like a limit for you in terms of caffeine? Do you stop at a certain point of the day, or you don't have any problems like sleeping after drinking coffee, for example? Well, I don't drink coffee after like in the noon, like after noon or one o'clock or something like that. I wouldn't want to have a coffee. Just like it, just kind of you know, mm -hmm. it starts my day, and then I just continue on with other things. I uh, just I don't feel like drinking coffee like right now. Right. Time, I don't know what time. Yeah, it's like it's noon. It's almost one here in LA, and uh, I wouldn't want to have a coffee right now. But yeah, just because I would probably stay, you know, I would. Pro it would probably affect me. I would. I wouldn't be able to go to sleep. So right, right, right. Yeah. So that's my one. That's my regular morning routine. <laughs> okay. Do you, but do you drink more than one cup in the morning? I mean, do you? Uh, what? What's the? Oh yeah. So I have this Italian uh, Bioletti coffee. Uh, it's kind of an espresso maker, but it's the biggest one I have, and I can get about two and a half like cups mugs out of that thing. I'll drink that, and then I'll take <laughs> my, then I'll take my kid to daycare. But before we go to daycare, he's three, so uh, we'll go to there's a grocery uh, my grocery store that I go to it has a Starbucks in it. So we'll go to Starbucks, and that's my way of coaxing him out the door is because we get a uh, banana bread lemon bread or something at that starbucks mm -hmm. and so when i'm getting his banana bread i'll, I'll also get a coffee and that'll that'll last till <laughs> till about 11 30 or noon and after that i'm done Excellent. but that's a lot of caffeine <laughs> it really sure is <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah man are you a spiritual person at all or do you ha i mean do you have any be particular beliefs 
cut out. Say that again. Are you a spiritual person at all? Oh, um, I guess so. Not not in one type of uh, belief or religion. Uh, I I really appreciate like uh, like Buddhism and just uh, or or uh, yeah, not, nothing. I believe ever the of the law of attraction and stuff. I don't go to church, like I don't follow a certain religion. I think I like a lot of tidbits of of everything. Really, I just I've never been a you know a good Christian or a Catholic or like that. But I don't have a problem. I've only you know kind of being on the outside of things. I, I think I'm pretty spirit. I meditate quite often to because I do believe in the law of attraction and being you know you're not in the universe, the universe is in you kind of thing. So that's that's where I guess I'm spiritual. Uh, you know, if something's bothering me or I want to just clear my head. Uh, and if I can't do that with music, I'll just sit peacefully and and meditate on nothing just to, to clear my, clear the, uh, you know, the junk along my path. So yeah, I guess so. I guess I'm spiritual. Excellent. How often do you meditate then? Is it something that you do regularly? Uh, yeah, I sh it should. There, there were times where I would do it, you know, twenty minutes in the morning. Uh, but I need to get back on that. It's uh, not like sometimes it's once. I'm w my biggest strength is my inconsistencies, <laughs> which is a, which which I'm not proud of. So I need to. It's, <laughs> but I but I like to own my own shit. So uh, I'm calling myself out. So yes, I. I I used to do it every day, uh, and I just loved it. I sometimes I, and in this very studio, I would sit here quietly, uh, and just forget everything. And sometimes I'd, I would set my timer because I'd always like to know. Okay, that was a half an. I'd set my timer for a half hour, or an hour, or even twenty minutes. And sometimes even a five minute meditation, if you can, if you are able to really let go as much as you could, you go deep, and it feels like you're in another world for hours you know so mm -hmm. yeah uh I, I love that i just i need to get back i've been thinking about getting uh trying to make that a more of a daily ritual totally uh, yeah and now that you brought it up it's, it's, it's more confirmed that i need to do that yeah so it used to be every day then it was like oh once a week or or a couple times a week or something it's not consistent so i need to work on my consistency <laughs> right yeah we all do in many ways don't we it's just i mean life gets on the way and, and and now you with a little little guy in the house as well you know it's uh it's just gets oh, it's more, amazing yeah it's amazing but it, it's time consuming isn't it <laughs> oh yeah that's one thing that's kind of uh it's been inspiring for writing but it's also been difficult to get what i what would usually take me like a whole weekend to like flush out the idea demo it out in my studio and get the structure done on it. that it sometimes takes me months because i really want it's not a burden to take care of my kid i i love it i i love I, that's one of the reasons i turned down that tour with phil and the kirk dimers because i don't want to be over, away from uh watching my child evolve into a person that's amazing it's the most amazing thing ever and the most inspiring thing i've ever been through in my life it's it's awesome so he's he's been he's a major priority and a major uh aid in in me making my own decisions for things because i'm like well no that doesn't make any sense because that affects my kid you know or that you know being away or whatever like that so it's uh 
it's special. It's, it's, it's amazing. I just, I love seeing my kid. <laughs> really good. Really good. Yeah. Incredible. That... Incredible. What's your view about money then? Well, it's handy to have. <laughs> <laughs> A lot. <laughs> money. Yeah. <laughs> I've been for, I've been fortunate to have a I've had a pretty good year. Like I the other thing that I do like for to pay my bills is I work at a special effects I work in special effects where we do a lot of animatronics things for the theme parks here like Disneyland and Universal Studios. So that's like a that's been nonstop. I haven't had a break since COVID has started since I've been back from tour. So um and so I don't haven't haven't really had a problem with that. And I think when I have had major problems, going back to the spiritual thing, meditating is is awesome for that. Uh, it really just just it's your it's your it's where you position yourself in the universe. If you're angry all the time and you wake up and you say this day is gonna suck, it's probably gonna suck. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. And yeah. then if you do that so often, you don't really realize you're putting energy into being negative. You know, you don't really get what you want. So, you know, may, having more money or having a job or wherever, it's it's really about how you're putting yourself out into the world. So mm-hmm. money has money hasn't hasn't been I'm not wealthy, but I I'm doing fine because I I've figured out a way to not stress out about not having it. And right. that right, right there has given me great fortunes. <laughs> like unbelievably falling out of the sky. Amazing, so, man. Amazing. That, I, that, that's the vibe. It. That's the vibe totally. I mean, you attracting, you know, things that, you know, sometimes they are on your subconscious even. And it's, yeah. it's, it's really good. Yeah, I think the, the subconscious is really, it's important to, to speak to that part of yourself because that's that that has more awareness than you're putting time into being mad or being angry or you know not liking something or whatever it's you know like you just said you're, you you look at back at the tour there's not there's not enough time to think about what went wrong it's just like appreciating what it was is the best thing to do because it's it's just that's a better way to be i think absolutely for absolutely yeah yeah so, yeah, so money, money wise. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you do to unwind then? What's the perfect lazy day for you? Oh man, I don't even know if I've had a lazy day. <laughs> I, uh, um, really, just really, it's a uh, coming in the studio is seriously like the best therapy for me to do. Whether I'm in here meditating or whether I'm just flushing out a song or if I don't have a song that I'm working on I'll just kind of play the guitar just when I hear when you physically touch an instrument and you're and you play a chord and it's music coming back at you that my my like I just you know you just kind of melt your my stress levels go down mm-hmm. like so fast when I when that happens because the if it's an acoustic and it's loud it's vibrating on your body and you can feel it you mm-hmm. just made even if it's just a G chord or any kind of chord, it's so gratifying. Uh, yeah. So that's that's it. And just playing playing music is really I really feel the closest to who I am. Uh, um, playing with you know playing with my kid, it's exhausting, but he he just scares me so much. Like without even realizing <laughs> that he's like, so yeah. It's uh, yeah, just listening, listening, yeah, listening to music or just. 
I like listening to jazz a lot. I was going to ask, no... what are you listening to these days? Yeah, like I love, like I love Miles Davis and John Coltrane, but I have no desire to play it. So that's why I really appreciate listening to it so much because I'm not trying to analyze what the notes are. I'm just really listening. I love all those old recordings too because you can you can hear them in the room. Like you can hear them walking and you know creaky floors and stupid shit like that. Like the production of it is so raw and amazing and it's geniuses that you're listening to playing so i love listening to that it's so it's relaxing to me i'll, I'll smoke a cigar have a little whiskey and just have my earbuds in and just listening to that in the backyard like <laughs> it's just like it's so relaxing oh sounds amazing it. man sounds amazing what, yeah. what what whiskey do you like drinking jameson is my go-to oh yeah <laughs> i love it <laughs> iris whiskey man it's like yeah it's plenty uh, yeah, I've had plenty of yeah. Tried different whiskeys and just that that just like it's it's just good. It's it's my other coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's Only so when good. I don't have anything to do. I I don't like drinking and playing music. Like if doing a show, I I I probably have more less alcohol when I when I'm playing shows uh, or on tour or anything like that because I don't like. I don't like the feeling of having alcohol in my system when I play because playing is such a buzz at this stage in my game. Mm -hmm. But when I'm at home, I just want to relax and just do nothing. I'm like, oh, just a uh, you know a big giant ice cube with a you know those and then some Jameson. And if it's when it gets a little colder here, which is you know California cold isn't that cold, but it's there's been mosquitoes lately in the summertime for whatever reason, but when it's a little chillier, I like to smoke cigars and just <laughs> have a glass of whiskey and just listen to, you know, So that, that would definitely fit as your perfect lazy day, wouldn't it? I guess so. That's the answer. That's, that's the answer. <laughs> Jameson Cigar and Miles Davis. So, <laughs> Brilliant. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Dan, my friend, I mean, I think, I mean, yeah, I think that's a good way, man, to, to, to wrap up this, this conversation, which I have a feeling, you know, that we could just go on and on and on and on. I mean, if I knew that I had, like, you know, three hours to chat with you, I would most certainly have expanded even further on points that we talked here, you know? Oh my God. Uh, Beatles just being one of them. I know. Be I mean, we could have carried on on that one. I could have asked you so much about it. I was going to ask you, okay, this is going to be then the spoiler for, you know, episode number two with Dan Spree. What's okay. your favorite Beatles album? Ta-da! Next episode with Dan Spree. <laughs> okay. I know, it, I know it already. But, Bro. Well, next episode. Thank you so much for, for your time today, man. Thank you for joining me on the Roller Coaster Podcast. And uh, please do leave here for the listeners. Um, of any, I mean, your social media or, or, or anywhere that where people can uh, find you or find your music, which we mentioned it here on this episode. Feel free to to leave us a message here, man. Okay, okay, so yeah, no problem. Uh, right now, or right you... now, go on. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah Daniel Spree, uh, that's my uh, Instagram, Daniel Spreewald, my full uh, last name, S P R I E W A L D, is that's my Facebook, and like I was speaking early that Spreewald uh, record on iTunes called Full Capsule is there uh, other than that I'm, I, sh I need to get more <laughs> oh 
Oh yeah, also Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I don't, I'm not very active as much as I should be because uh, I'm like I said, I'm never I'm never <laughs> bored. <laughs> I need to get more in that into that. But uh, dude, yeah. keep being and, and yourself, man. Keep yeah. being yourself. Hopefully we'll hit, we'll we'll hear another another drills record too. For so sure, that. for sure. Volume two. I mean, yeah, it's been a long time coming, man. Can't wait for that to be out for the world to listen to. It's fucking. It's great music. It's great stuff. Really Thank you. There's some it. really cool cool stuff on that. I can't wait for people to hear that too. It's really cool. Amazing. All right, brother. Love you so much. Thank you so much for this. Love it, Carl. I'll talk to you later. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation, this podcast, as much as I did doing it. So if that's the case, please do follow on Instagram at RollerCoasterCarl, myself at Carl Casagrande, on Twitter, same thing, Facebook, same thing. Uh, Do subscribe. Do subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify. That's very, very much appreciated. Thank you and have a great, great day. Cheers. Bye-bye.